You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. in Matthew 21 if you'd like to read along, which I was corrected last week. Apparently I said last week I was in Matthew 21, and I was in Matthew 20. I apologize for those two of you who still read your Bible along with me. (laughs) Just kidding. Actually, honestly, if I'm uh, better at listening than I am reading along with someone so I completely understand why many of you would do that. But if you would like to read, Matthew 21 is where we're at. And we have been going through the Gospel of Matthew for some time now. Today we are going to find ourselves entering Jerusalem. And this is a big deal. Today we don't really think about it in the same terms. You know, we're just thinking big city. Jesus has entered a big city. So it's like Jesus entering New York. Not quite the same. Uh, there's, there's more to this. So I'm going to read to you the way that Matthew phrases a story. It's a little different than Mark and Luke. It's not very different because they all have the same flow for the most part. But there's little tweaks here and there. I'm just going to read it back to back, these two stories, so that we can engage in it uh, a little bit. So, Matthew 21. I'm going to read 1 to 17. Now when they, that's Jesus and his disciples, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, Bethphage, sorry, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. Don't you love that story? Hey, go steal someone's donkeys. And they're like, what are you doing? Just like, oh, the Lord needs them. (laughs) Hasn't worked for me so far when I've tried it out. But I don't steal a lot of donkeys these days anyways. Uh, This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you. Hear that. Your king is coming to you. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before them and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to son of David. Remember, that's, that's a political term. That's charged right there. Our very first message in the book of Matthew was on the son of David. And Matthew loved that phrase. It comes up here and there throughout his book. Son of David. David was this old king. And the the Jews, the remaining of, of Israel, of God's people, were waiting for a new king to show up. The son of David. The one who had the royal genetics to to restore the kingdom. There was many prophetic words about him. And right here, all these people in this town are putting down these branches for him to walk by on, on this colt, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. 
And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. When the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. (laughs) Have you never read, Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise? And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. Here is, in everyone's perspective, well, okay, at least from the Pharisees, the religious leaders, their perspective right there at the end, it's just this guy, this rogue minister. If he was a professional minister, he'd be working alongside them, right? But this guy's just out there doing his own nomad minister type thing. And now he's in the city and all these kids inside the temple uh, court are like, Ah, Hosanna to the son of David! And they're like, what? Blasphemy, right? And they come up to him and he's like, do you hear what these kids are saying? Expecting Jesus to rebuke it. Instead, he quotes a prophet. He's like, yeah, didn't you hear out of the mouth of babies? I'll prepare this praise. <laughs> so here's Jesus just walking boldly in to Jerusalem. Again, it's not the same as walking into a big city, as walking in a New York City or something like that. This is around Passover time, like a huge holiday. And on holidays, you often do traditional things, sacred things, like go to the sacred place called Jerusalem. And so here's all these people mixed around who have met Jesus probably throughout the the last few years doing ministry, and they recognize him. There's other people who don't know who he is, but they're being told who he is by the people who do recognize him. But Jesus has come to this big city, and from the very beginning, we're painted the weirdest picture Of a new king. (laughs) If it was a Roman king, he'd be coming in on this glorious war horse. But Jesus just... Right? (laughs) On the back of a donkey. Hail the son of David? (laughs) I guess this is like the glorious parade for the king entering the sacred town during one of the most sacred of holidays. But yet they get it. Jesus walking into Jerusalem, that's a big deal. It's not just like, you know, he's just hanging out here. No, like, the king is here. The king. Who's the king? What's the king? What's going on here? Look, the Bible from this point on starts painting a picture of Jesus as the one true king. In fact, the Gospels have been trying to paint it forever. And this took me so long to understand. The kingdom of heaven, right? Kingdom of God. You know, growing up, I was just told, like, oh, heaven's just this place that when you die, you go there. And that's what heaven is. A glorious place, right? But then in college, I was like, wait a minute, hang on. Jesus is saying everywhere he goes, like, the kingdom of heaven is here now. The kingdom of heaven is coming to the earth. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's this whole weird thing where I'm like, okay, so if heaven is this place that I just go to when I die and earth doesn't matter at all, then why is one of Jesus' favorite themes everywhere he goes, why is it all about a kingdom called heaven that apparently isn't this ethereal place in the clouds? It is, but it's also here on the earth right now. What is this whole deal? And if it's a kingdom that he's aware of, what is his status there? And we start to realize as the, the, the people of the Bible start painting the picture, it's, it's that Jesus is the king of this place. That yes, is away from here, but also is being installed here in our midst. And a lot of people understand that with Revelation. Hey, if we just go to the end of the Bible, we see all of heaven come to earth. But we think that it's just like right now, 0% heaven, that day, 100% heaven. But Jesus walks around telling people like, no, the heaven, heaven is here now. It's being installed right now. And what you do with your life matters in making it happen right now, right here. And that's why we have disciples. That's why we have Christians. Because it is our job not to just go around and evangelize saying, look, one day you're going to die and you, you got to figure out where you're going. You're going to go to heaven or hell. Yeah, that's all true. That, that's very important. We need to have that conversation. But that's not the end game. Just to like, hey, we just want to make sure you're all set up in the end. No, it starts right now. Heaven is right now on the earth. If it wasn't, why would you just spend so much time talking about it? What it looks like when it shows up on the earth. And how when he casts out a demon, the kingdom of heaven has come upon someone. There's been liberation there. Where Satan was, his kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of hell, has been driven out. And this new kingdom of heaven, of God, is being installed in that person where Satan has been driven out. It's right here, right now, among us. And so this is the glorious, messed up ending to the gospels that God has planned, right? Where Jesus comes not on a glorious war horse, but on a donkey. And as he proceeds to be inaugurated into his kingdom, they gather him and whip him. And they put a robe on him like a king, but they're making fun of him when they do it. Hey, Jesus put this robe on. Oh yeah, you look like a great king now, don't you? And then they, they take a bunch of thorns and they jam it into his head as a crown. Like, hey, looking great now. All this blood dripping down your head. What a great king. And then Jesus said, look, you're going to see me high and lifted up. And when he says that, he's saying like, this is my glory. This is my inauguration. I will be high and lifted up before all. Jesus wasn't talking about surfing up on a cloud in that moment. He was talking about being put on a cross, being high and lifted up for all to see. This is the great glory of the backwards kingdom of heaven with the backwards king who suffered, who brought himself to the deepest depths. So strange that none of us picked up on it until after, right? Jesus dies and all the disciples are like, I guess that's it. Even though he told us the whole time this was going to happen. I don't know how you come back from this. The kingdom of heaven is so strangely installed in this backwards kind of way that Satan doesn't even get it. That's what Paul says. Paul's like, look, if the powers, which is a term for supernatural principalities and powers, if the powers knew what they were doing when they crucified our Lord, they would have never have done it. Because <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah. there on the cross, Jesus is unleashed on the world. And Satan destroys everything that he's built 
See, for Satan, he got uh, the keys of death a long time ago, back in the Garden of Eden, if you know that story. Satan more or less tricked humanity into pursuing his wisdom instead of God's wisdom. And in doing so, he brought sin into the world. He brought death into the world. And so Satan is talked about by the author of Hebrews as kind of like the Lord of death. He has this power. Revelation talks about Satan with the keys of death. But here's the thing. Satan got that power through sin. And guess what Jesus was? Sinless. So when Satan decides to put the full force of his kingdom on Jesus to crucify him on a cross, to try to blot out the kingdom of heaven, to try to blot out the king of the kingdom of heaven, Satan doesn't realize he breaks his own rules. He's used to humanity always being sinful. But in this moment, he killed a sinless human, and the curse is broken, and the Bible shows Jesus taking the keys of death from Satan in Revelation And then going to heaven saying, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? And then he promises all of us, look, the kingdom is coming. It's here already. It's here right now. The king is Jesus already. He ascended into the heaven where he sits in the right hand of the Father on a glorious throne prepared for him. So right now in this time, the kingdom is already here. And the kingdom of the king Jesus is already reigning over us. A lot of times we look around, we don't see that, and we're like, why? (laughs) You know, if if this is the kingdom, then this is it? This is what heaven looks like? No, because the Bible authors understood that there was something more to come. In fact, in today's story, they expected that something more to be happening right then, right? You ever notice, like, the disciples are always ready to go? Like they're getting ready to start like a, a revolt right now, here in this place, in this moment. <laughs> they're willing to call down fire on places. When they walk into Jerusalem, this sacred place that has always been known for God's presence. When they walk into this place and people start worshiping the king of kings, Jesus himself. And they start recognizing that he is the true king of Jerusalem, the sacred space. The disciples, what's got to be going through their heads is this is the time where heaven is coming right now. God's presence is going to just come here, blow everything all away. Our enemies will be done with. Sin will be done with. All of that will be done with. And we'll just finally be the freed people of God that we've been waiting to be for so long. Because God promised us that was coming. That's That's what the disciples had to be going through their mind as they're entering the sacred city, Jerusalem, where God's presence is. Right? But instead, (laughs) they watch all the backwards stuff happen. Ride in on a colt, mocked with a rope, killed, lifted up for all to see on an execution, an electric chair of their time, except more brutal. And it ends, and they're like, I guess the kingdom of heaven is gone, it's done. But then they see Jesus again. He grabs the keys from Satan. He's raised from the dead. He goes to his disciples and tells them to go get more Christians, to go save more, to do the the powerful works that he's been doing, because he'll empower them to do it 
through the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus ascends into heaven where he is king. And he tells us, I am coming back. (laughs) And when I come back, the fullness that is not here on the earth yet will finally come with me. What the disciples were waiting for as they walked into Jerusalem is still ahead of us. They didn't understand that. But we do now. And yet, unfortunately, a lot of times in churches, we still just live out the, look, we're just trying to get people saved to get them to that spiritual place. No, there's, there's more there for us. Yes, that is essential and actually like one of the main points of the gospel and what we're doing right now. But the more for us is that we should be installing the kingdom of heaven in every way that we can right now in this place. Not later when it comes, right now. And as you do that, you will see people come to Jesus because everybody likes a little bit of love. And that's what the kingdom of heaven is. It's love. Not love as we as humans define it, but love as God defines it. And if we want the fullness of that kingdom later, then we need to get used to it right now. And so I encourage you in your lives not to get caught up in thinking, I just got to be right so when I die, I'm all good. <laughs> that is not the gospel. That is a, is a part of it, but it's incredibly truncated. The true gospel is Jesus has come to install a kingdom that he talks about all the time. It's already here. And what you do, he has trusted you as a Christian and empowered you as a Christian to make that kingdom come more in fullness until he decides to usher it in all the way at the end. So if you've ever wondered, (laughs) what is my point in life? That's it. If you ever wondered way back in the day, like, okay, so maybe that's the point in life under Jesus, but what was the point in life back in the Garden of Eden? That was it. (laughs) Jesus said, look, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. There were no non-God people at that time. It was just these people that lived with God. (laughs) So they're like, look, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. You are my image. I've made you exactly as you should be to mirror exactly what I would do. So as you fill the earth and you have children and you all move across the earth, guess what's going to happen to the earth? God people are going to live everywhere and make the world look like heaven would look, like God would have it look. So nothing's changed, really. I mean, there's a lot that's changed in the spiritual in the meantime. But that, like, what is the point of my existence? To co-labor with God because he loves you and grants you the space to work with him and install the kingdom. That's what it was at the beginning. That's what it was after Jesus. And that's what we're doing until he comes to install it himself in his fullness. We all tracking? I know I'm a little all over the place here, yeah? The kingdom is here now. And we need to live like it. It needs to be our all. So don't get caught up in nationalism. That's not your kingdom. Your kingdom is heaven. You are a citizen there, the Bible says. So live like a citizen of there. Any other place you might find yourself is second to that. Your allegiance is to God and to Jesus and to him alone. So we're going to worship the king of kings. We are going to lift him up in that weird backwards kind of way. 
And we're going to live like he lived, recognizing that we might suffer too. Recognizing that if we really want to install the kingdom of heaven, it might be by our own blood like it was by his own blood. As we just lay ourselves down for the lowest of lowly ways to live. So that God's kingdom may come here, here and now. Now you can worship however you would like. A few things as we jump in. Um, we're going to have a prayer team in the back corner. So if you need prayer for anything, feel free to go to them and ask for prayer. They would love to pray for you. Um, and you can take on whatever posture you'd like as we worship. We just ask right now that you would start by standing with us if you're able. So would you stand as I, I pray us then? God, we long for your kingdom to be made manifest. We realize this goes all the way back to the beginning. In the beginning, you put humans on the earth to image you throughout the earth so that the physical earth would look like the spiritual heavens, so that your kingdom would take over the entire planet. And we failed. We chose Satan's wisdom instead of your wisdom. We followed the ways of sin and death. And so we were turned over to sin and death. Because that's the life we chose. And it seemed like like it was hopeless for the kingdom. Like heaven would never come. But then you sent Jesus. And he showed us what the kingdom looks like. And he lived out its backwards ways. So as Jesus died on the cross... He became king in the weirdest way. He went into Satan's kingdom and he stole the keys of death. He cheated death. It's the bait and switch. And then he came back to the earth and said, the kingdom is still coming. I am king there and I'm headed there right now. And then he ascended into heaven where he now reigns. God, the Bible tells us that Satan is ticked. So he's pouring out his fire like never before, especially on his Christians, on God's Christians, because they're his greatest weakness. They're the kingdom bringers. The ones filled with the Spirit to do what Jesus did. To kick out demons and install heaven in its place. So tonight, God, make us like we should be. Empower us to be what we should be. Convict us in the ways that we are not like we should be. So that we would say, you know what? I'm tired of chasing after Satan's wisdom. And the things that he tells me is okay for me to live out. And I'm just going to choose everything that God has for me and pursue his wisdom so that his kingdom is installed right here right now Jesus be among us we welcome you in this place you are our king Hosanna in the highest Hosanna to the son of David in Jesus name Amen